Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We're here getting ahead of things so Danny and I can hit the record button on our taping earlier rather than later because there's no card this weekend. The plan is as follows. Recap from Blades Daukus. Then set the spread, then news and notes, Country Club. Give me a nod. Yes. Give me a something. Yep. Okay, cool. So Verbal confirmation gonna... better than a nod. Yeah, we're all about the confirmation. I can't go off on the so so we'll start with recap for Blades Daukus first, and then we'll figure out where to go from there. But it's it's seeming like set the spread. So this we're recording this right now at Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central. So Danny and I will have more than enough time to tape ahead of UFC 273. So excuses will be limited, which is how everyone likes it. Okay. So first things first, there was, I mean, this was a iffy betting card. There's some that doesn't really need to get to need to be covered. There's some that probably deserves an honorable mention. Um, I want to start with Dvorak Nikolau, Matthias Nikolau versus David Dvorak, just because although it's a super early fight, it is a pivotal fight for the way the flyweights are shaking out. I mean, those two guys that are fighting for potentially next spot in line or or one fight off next spot in line. Um, Decision unanimously went towards Matthias Nikolau. I know you mentioned that you're a fan of David Dvorak and you lean David Dvorak. So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts to share on that one in particular? It was just more monumental for the division than it was. Matus really impressed me is my main takeaway. I, I definitely thought that Dvorak was going to be um, or was going to have more cor- more cardio as the fight got into the third. But Matus was the aggressor and Matus was able to stay on that front foot. Which is huge for Matus as because I also saw it in it, that Dvorak was going to have the advantage at least in the striking department. So this was an interesting one to play out. And it was unanimous decision, not split. Another unanimous decision was Mano Furo versus Jennifer Maya. Want to mention that one because that was a parlay piece for you in almost everything. And it was an early lay for me at minus 305. Again, to get on top of that, plays get posted like as Danny and I place them on bet MMA tips and then also our individual Twitters. I think we're going to work this upcoming week into getting those out on Ankle Pick Pod and other various social medias so you can stay on top before the line movement because Danny especially is a pro at that closing line value and hitting it early. But, yeah, I got uh, Faro here at minus 305. She closed well over 400, but another win pretty pretty easily for her. Yeah, not a whole ton. Not a ton to add. Um she didn't look as dominant as I expected on the feet, which is the only thing, but she dominated the fight and at no point was I worried. Yeah. And then as far as like the part or the system science goes, Danny and I warned you that this was not going to play into the science, but irregardless, we're counting it for the unit every time. This one's going down as chalking up as an L. 
but we have a couple other ones and yeah you want to get the update now or you want to wait till we get a winner wait 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 because i want to go over a couple of the crazy ones so krizyev or krizyev versus dennis tolulian um i mean he was minus a thousand so nothing too crazy to write home here but this was a rear naked choke submission round two if i believe if i remember correctly there was a really really smooth back take in this fight yeah i mean it, it's just there's just levels to this as we say all the time and you could just really see it here especially so you actually called for a potential spot i don't refresh my memory on this did you place uh dana Bacini? yeah i i, I did. did well that's that's a tough tough one because he won the first round in mm-hmm. my opinion and the spinning back fist from hell uh, in the second round caught him and dropped him and ended up turning into a KOTKO. Kobe, was that a performance worthy uh, for Chris Gutierrez? It was. Yeah. Is that the first one so far? That is the first one. Cool. But so, yeah, Dan, any takeaways here? I mean, it, it in this sport, one of the I risks. I think I'd probably bet the same spot again. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. You just, you, like Reese was about to say, this sport in an instant your great bet can go to shit with a spinning back fist. And that's what happened here a little bit. Yeah, it was definitely a tough one. Sarah McMahon is the dog that I wanted to hold off results for. And I believe it's the last and only dog to cash, but the 42 year old plus oh, 250 or something dog cashed here via unanimous decision. I think there was a back take at some point during this fight the grappling. This was my own. This was my only regret of the card. I, I talked about on last week's episode taking Sarah McMahon here, yeah. and and I just I didn't I didn't have, I didn't have the stones. Yeah. No, it's it came from the fact where it's like I liked it, you liked it. I know I saw Twitter and people were liking it as the dog, but it's like it's so hard to actually put some money down on a forty-two-year-old, especially the way the last one went. Right. It, it, I, I still have PTSD. We're still doing a running science joke about Sarah McMahon and, and women's MMA. It's no, it, yeah, it's so just even just having that taste in your mouth makes it hard. But she got the job done and I believe something like plus 245. So that's definitely something to write home about and help the science this week as the only other favorite. Did I just hope have. a listener cast. That'd be yeah, that, that would make it all worth it. Uh, Mark DeCasey beats Vashlav Borshev. Fade Team Alpha Male continues. That'd be a science within itself. I, I think what happened here is exactly what we talked about potentially happening in that DeCasey will make it a mixed martial arts bout while Borshev's going to look to make it a Muay Thai bout. And that's kind of what happened. There was some grappling thrown in that, and, and the game plan went perfectly and, and got DeCasey unanimous decision win. Yep. Props to him for using that veteran IQ. Yeah. And that's just, I mean, you see it so often, and that's something that comes up every time a guy like Alex Pereira is fighting, is that conversation of this game has so many levels and so many depths that can you make a run being very proficient in one and not the other? And you see guys like Israel Adesanya where you go, maybe if you're just so elite and your division's right for it, you can do it. But then there's other guys who... I mean, you flip the script, a guy like Adolfo Vieira. Yeah. It, it just we, we get shown all the time, and it gets proven time and time again, that 
MMA is so tough at the top at the highest level because it is the combination of three or four different disciplines that you kind of have to master right. over a lifetime. This isn't, uh, I mean, another example is Greg Hardy. You can't just walk into a gym and start living there for three years and expect to compete at any of the disciplines with these guys that are lifelong martial artists right. and the guys that are lifelong multiple martial artists are just different level. It's really, and, and that's what's so awesome about this sport and what really made this sport a thing in the first place is it doesn't matter your size or your athleticism or way back in the day, even your weight, weight classes didn't exist. It was technique, styles make fights. And we've come a long way in the sport from recognizing weight classes and different techniques, which one's more proficient, less proficient, wrestling, what have you. But the long and the short of it is a guy like Borshev, who is definitely known primarily as a striker, will have problems when the mixed martial arts aspect gets mixed in. And you saw it again here today. This is the most controversial decision, I think, and a lot of people were angry about it. There was two split decisions, um, and I saw the trend. It was Matt Brown won, and that's the later fight. He, he lost a split decision to Brian Barbarena, and then it's Max Griffin definitely won, and he also lost a split decision to Neil Magny here. What is about the this... fight in between? How did you score Kai and Asker? Well, that was at least unanimous. I I did score for Asker, but I also was on Asker. So I always take my opinion there with a grain of salt. But you would, yeah, you it's not you had three decisions in a row. You had Neil Magny over Max Griffin split. You had Kai Car France over Asker Askarov unanimous, and you had Brian Barbrena over Matt Brown split. I actually scored my cards, all three, for the losers. So I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on, on Matt. I agree with you on all three, in all honesty. Um, yeah. yeah, I thought that Matt Brown was up going into the third. Clearly, he did too. Yeah, I, I think – and I think that that's what comes – and I don't want to go like crazy full circle, but we talked a couple weeks ago or recently about that James Krause telling Tim Elliott live, oh, you're up two rounds. It's That's a cornering technique that – with the modern judging and, and the type of a decisions that we, we are seeing, I think unless it's like 10-8 borderline, like it's hard to tell your fighter you're up 2-0 because you never know. Matt Brown thought he was up 2-0. I know I scored Max Griffin. He clearly won the first. Second was up in the air, and then I, I gave him the third. It, it's, it's just – and then Asker, the, the thing that confused me about Askarov was, A, the unanimous decision, but – B, where exactly were the scores coming from? Because is it a lack of damage from top control? I, I believe he didn't he take Kai's back for a while in the first. Yeah, I think he like, had like in the, it, the third round is what you're talking about. Because I thought that yeah. the first was Asker's and the second was Kai's. Um, but yeah, in that third round, Asker started it by taking his back. And I think he had two or three minutes of control time there and, and was threatening the sub, which I mean, by the whatever letter of the judging rules if you're threatening a sub that should count as points i understand there was no damage but it's it, it's not i mean he was definitely in a dominant position for the majority for sure. of the round and, and and not a dominant position like a lay and pray he was threatening no absolutely and he was working those hands in and did was he so that's uh, again where we talked about it on the rob whitaker adesanya fight 
where I was misinformed because I was saying, oh, well, Rob got takedowns. And, and Kobe mentioned or sent me a tweet that was talking about the official way to rule it is, Kobe, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm paraphrasing, but it's that damage needs to be done or an offensive position needs to yeah, be Yeah, you advanced. got the right idea. You need to be doing yeah. You need to be advancing, doing damage more than just the takedown. In some way. And so but threatening I the submission to me I agree. is, I, is, is yeah. the letter of the law. It's that. I agree. And so I, when I'm watching with ca- more casual fans, they often ask me like, oh, who's in the dominant position here? Like who's really leading the charge here? Especially when someone's going for something like a leg lock, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or a knee bar, right? It's, it's a little bit more like a, one of those 50, 50 positions. It's a little harder to tell. But to me, this seemed clear too. I, I was shocked by this especially going unanimous. So I, I, this is one in particular that I actually starred to watch back. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, but yeah, three very questionable decisions in a row. And I went over three, if I'm a judge here. Yeah. But, props to Kai on a great win. Yeah. I mean, Kai cash is a massive dog. Neil Magny barely snuck out at a three to one favorite. And then Barbarena. Oh, that was a 50, 50 fight, but hopefully Matt Brown, I know, he went to retirement and then he came back and I know he faints the idea. So, you know, I, I, I still think he's got exciting fights and some gas left in the tank. I mean, this was fight of the night, I believe, right, Kobe? Yep. I was going to say 50 K in his pocket too. 50 K in his pocket. So it's hard to walk away after that. Alexa Grasso, man. Wow. 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 She really does amaze me. And she won here first round rear naked choke submission over Joanne Wood, formerly known as Joanne Calderwood. The reason why Alexa Grasso amazes me is for two reasons. One, she continuously seems to show up in in tough fights. So Macy Barber was an example for me. Um, Carolina Kovalkiewicz back in the day, 2019 was an example for me. She was a a heavy dog there. And then Carla Esparza, although she lost, Carla Esparza is next to the title. And that was a majority decision. So a very close one. Alexa Grasso to me is someone that's always going to be in the mix. Her striking though is what most people talk about. And here she got it done via rear naked choke. I I was, this to me was one of the more impressive performances off the whole sheet. And I, I'm wondering Kobe did a 50 game bonus. Agree with me? Nope. Not there. Wow. But if we want to talk about science real quick. Yeah. This is our third women's fight of the night. Third and final. Yeah. Um, Jojo Wood was the big dog, though, right? Yeah. McCann cashed as a plus 220 dog. was the highest closing value you could get. And with the other two losses, that's still, what, plus 0.2 units if you're going one. I know McMahon covers the value. Right, it's and cover the value. We, we kind of changed to the five-unit plays just to set the standard with the, the yeah. game that we're playing. That brings the season-long number to plus 21.75 units. Which is just... It's a science. Single women's dog. And by the way, we could take out a few that you guys are saying we can take out, like the Manon Poirot. No one was saying that we should take that one. Right. It's it's if there's a sliver of doubt, right? If there's even a, a the tiniest sliver of doubt, women's dog is the way to go. And it's proved here again on another night. So we're about, I mean, look, we're 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 about to be knocking on the door of April. And so we'll call it a quarter of the year down the drain. And it's profitable and it's not slightly profitable. It is profitable. So that's always fun to see. And we're going to continue to track that throughout the year. Maybe at the end of the year, when we do our like year recap, like we did last year, we'll break it down into quarters and years and see how 
it does over a year. Maybe we're onto something here. I kind of have the feeling we are. So this narrows down though, where the last performance bonus goes, Curtis razor blades gets the job done and gets it done in a fashion that not only shocked Dan and I based on the lock of the night that fell, but also based on where everyone talks, where everyone thought this fight was going to go. I mean, people talk about styles, make fights, and this was pegged as the classic grappler versus striker. Daukus known as a striker. Everyone mentions his striking prowess. Blades is one of the best wrestlers, if not the best wrestler the heavyweights have to offer. And he still, he didn't shoot once. Didn't even faint a shot. Never in his mindset. And he got it done with a right cross that landed beyond flush and then finished off with a TKO due to ground strikes. So, Dan, there's a lot to unpack on this fight. I want to start by saying ankle lock foul brings us to seven and three on the year country club. And what's the units of profit there? Plus 14, seven, eight. Yeah. 14, seven, eight. We dropped two straight. We, we, we've been adamant about how these last two cards were not super favorable betting cards. And just because the way the game works, we've had to force our hand a little bit, but the over two and a half was plus plus one ten, And based on the way the first round went, Dan, I was geeking. I loved it. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, especially after him not shooting for the whole first round, I was like, Oh, he's going to, he's going to a round of feeling out. And then we're going to get to to the ground and pound in the second. And that's going to be awesome because he he's not hurt from the ground and pound in the first. And the whole thing was gearing up for the over and, and, and Curtis razor blade said, no, I'm a, I'm a punch this man in the face, <laughs> which adds to more, the depths that I want to take this. So he wins the performance bonus. He does it in a way that no one really saw coming. And then I decided to fire out a tweet. The tweet was, if Curtis Blades doesn't hold gold, I will be shocked. Still adamant on that. And I said that he is marketable and well-rounded of a mixed martial artist. And everyone agreed, except with the marketable aspect. And I know there were a good amount of people on Twitter respectfully we're just like you know i don't see the marketable aspect but he's definitely a talented fighter and while doing this recap i wanted to bring it up dan what is your opinion because i know you were you like the reply but you also like the tweet i'm trying to get your vibe on do because the way i see blades is marketable from the sense that gsp was marketable I mean, obviously, I'm not saying he's as talented as GSP, but GSP was known as a kid who got bullied and beaten up and used martial arts to change his life. Curtis Blades has the exact same story. I mean, he has a really one of the worst daughters I've seen. He's public about it. He got bullied his whole life, and he's used mixed martial arts, and now he's at this highest platform. I... I I think he, he's not marketable in the sense of Patty Pimlet and O'Malley, but I feel like the UFC could make a push behind this guy. I mean, he is a freak talent. Yeah, I, I mean, I, on paper, he's got all the tools. Uh, I mean, you laid out his story. He's American. He's a freaking athlete. Um, there's just something about him I can't quite put my finger on, but you saw it even in his post-fight speech when he's calling out Stipe and whatnot. Like, he talks and people don't listen. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense, it's just, but it's like no one really cares for some reason. And maybe it has a lot to do with um, before this last weekend, the ways he's, he's winning, just the kind of slower fights and um, not being so willing to exchange as a heavyweight. But, but clearly that's gone. And, and clearly he's got all the all the striking tools that 
come along with his grappling game now. Um, I don't see why he shouldn't be more marketable, but he's definitely not a name that puts asses in seats yet. Right. And even though this is, I believe, his fifth or sixth headliner fight, I agree. He can be a little bit dull when he speaks. People don't tend to listen. But, but I have a question for you, both of you, honestly. Can a super genuine nice guy in this industry be marketable? Because his post-fight presser, when Stipe was trying to get a reaction out of him, he was like, I respect you. You're such a nice guy. I would be honored to fight you. Like, he was too nice to talk shit and do the the route of the Conor McGregor, Patty Pimlet type thing. Not that Patty's a dick or anything, but, you know, he's he's a confident in the way he walks. Can well, you I think be- that I think it goes back to, I mean, you see it in, in wrestling. You see it in the UFC. He needs a heel. He, he needs someone to, to really ignite him. Like you look at a guy like Dustin Poirier, who's as nice as they come, as friendly as they come, recently became one of the biggest stars, one of the biggest names in MMA because of kind of his trilogy with, with Connor. That doesn't happen without having a heel. Interesting. I guess Max Holloway, too, is known as just one of the most stand-up nice guys, and he mm-hmm. has a draw. I just I mean, think there's that, Wonder Boy. I mean, there, you definitely don't have to be a but, dick, but the storylines that drive pay-per-views, as we saw with the like only pay-per-view this year that didn't have a belt attached to it, you kind of need uh, like both sides of the, of the equation, the, the good know. guy and the bad guy, and, and either people are tuning in to see you get knocked out or, or for a knockout and right now people are just tuning in because curtis blade is a fucking awesome party fighter yeah and i think it that's something that doesn't dawn on us because i mean we're the guys who are watching submission underground and cage warriors and mm-hmm. one championship and, and while one we're doing recap can we can we really quick just do a 30 seconds man demetrius johnson is yeah. fucking awesome for him to yeah. stand with rod tang for five minutes of muay thai wow no, it's incredible. And then finish him off via submission. Right. The second, like, like we were just talking about with the added levels of, of martial arts, right. the second that you added the grappling to it, Rod Tang was like, oh, I, I might be one of the best strikers in the world, but Demetrius Johnson's going to take my neck. Exactly. And that's for the people who have always doubted or been a Demetrius Johnson hater. I think that, yeah, 125 might be hard to get into, but no one should ever deny the man his talent. I mean, flying arm barring Ray Borg subbing rotting after standing with him for five minutes i mean the man really is he's probably one of the best to ever do it definitely in my goat conversation mount rushmore or whatever yeah it's definitely not a crazy take that's not crazy to say that so i think that's going to close the book for us on blades daucus it, it feel free to get on social media and add us and tell us your take on is curtis blades a marketable fighter can you be a super nice guy in this industry in particular and be marketable or do you have to be the loud mouth that gets fed like covington and and mcgregor it's an interesting topic and it's one hopefully we can discuss further put a pin in it now though close the books on another great card a lot of good finishes four good bonuses there and we will move to news and notes or set the spread news and notes let's get after news and notes so we're going to hit news and notes here. Kobe's got them lined up. And then we're going to get you a set the spread for 273. We got starting things off some cleanup to do for this upcoming card, 273. Um, 
I know Imavov had visa issues. I'm not sure why Hernandez is out, but we've got kind of a combo resituation. Kelvin Gastelum and Dreykus Duplessis now fighting on the main card, actually, too. We'll get there in a little bit, but 273 in two weeks. That's a humongous step up for Duplessis. I know for everyone listening, we do have a card episode coming, and I know that there's been a lot of interest in that, and the most recent UFC cards came out, and Duplessis actually got his rookie card, and he's one of the hot guys. This is a huge step up for him. I know he was going to take that Chris Curtis fight, I know he was going to have that Anthony Hernandez fight all on this card. I know that this is kind of just a, a, a big, crazy couple weeks for him. But Kevin Gaslam, at least in name notability, is a humongous step up for this guy. But, I mean, even on the other side, Kevin Gaslam is accepting just another fight against an absolute killer and, and, and a, like an up-and-coming guy that's trending in just the opposite direction as him. Yeah, he's not taken an easy fight since Ian Heinish. Right. And even before that, it's like Adesanya, Till, Hermanson, Whitaker, Cannonier. That's a row of killers, in my opinion. It's, yeah. I mean, Gatrikis obviously isn't in the the same conversation as as those guys yet, but this is not an easy fight. He's more in the Imovov. Like, this is going to be tough. No one, there's, you could knock Kevin Gaslam for a lot of things. No one can say he's scared to take a fight or, or, or won't take a certain fight. No one can say that. Yeah. True fighter. And you see it. I mean, that Adesanya fight thing of beauty. Oh my God. Yeah. This next one was originally the headliner for this past week, UFC Columbus. It's officially rebooked Jan Blahovich and Alexander Rakic for May 14th. Can't wait for that one. I'm a big, big Rakic believer. I, I've been a fan of Jan Blahovich. I think that I have a sour taste in my mouth from the quick tap, but I, I'm really excited to see what Rakic can bring to the table, and I want to see what his grappling defense looks like, assuming Jan puts it on him. Definitely. Same weekend, also, Caitlin Chukagian and Amanda Hibas got scheduled for May 14th. It's a fun one. Hibas should be able to take that, I think. What happened to Caitlin Jukakian retiring? Any answers? What's that about? She like said it and then takes a fight every three months. <laughs> right? Like, Honestly, yeah. yeah I, I have no idea. She, I think we made a comment one foot in, one foot out, like trying to be a mom literally four fights ago. I know. It's just crazy. Um, next one is, I guess, good news. The following weekend, May 21st, we have Jung Young Park and Eric Anders, who apparently is healthy enough to schedule a fight for May. Fuck yeah. Um, try to get hopefully on. we'll have Eric on the show soon. He's a he's an ankle picker himself, and, and we wish him stay healthy until your fight, dude. Right. No one's gonna no one here is gonna root for anyone but Eric Anders. Hopefully his foot feels better. I know you guys said the images were just a tough scene, so. Hopefully he's feeling better. We had an official announcement of UFC 275 for June 12th in Singapore. Um, we got a couple fights confirmed on there. I think that we've announced them all, but Glover Teixeira versus Yuri Prohaska, Valentina versus Tyler Santos, and Bobby Nux, Marvin Vittori. That'll all be a fun card. Yeah, Singapore. wow, that's shaping up. Is that a pay-per-view or fight night, you said? Pay-per-view. Yeah, I was about to say, no way that's a fight night, but that's a card. Speaking of, I know that we talked about this last week, but 
the what what is it the 281 is scheduled for abu dhabi 10 22 so that's october so we're gonna have what five pay-per-view cards between june and october does that math add up june july august september sometimes they do months and five pay-per-view i know last last october they had the back-to-back numbered cards that one wasn't a pay-per-view so i know that they could do something like that but and then i know july too is international fight week um so i know in years past they've done the end of ultimate fighter the night before like that friday and then a pay-per-view that saturday so i don't know if they're gonna throw two cards i don't know but yeah that'd be awesome i mean look look you're talking you're talking to in a room here where if you told me UFC's got fights three days a week, I'm watching every night, and we all are. So I, I, you know, I'm never gonna complain. The only interesting, whatever, maybe betting tidbit uh, with with those two announcements is, if I remember correctly, during the whole Fight Island stint, there was a disproportional amount of Brazilians losing because of the time change and and the effects and jet lag. So that's always something to remember with uh, Abu Dhabi and thailand cards um, especially when two of the three fights that are announced i mean G, uh, glovers and um tyler santos will both be coming from brazil it's and you see it in all major sports i mean it's one of the biggest profitable betting trends is is picking people on uh in nba on back-to-back nights of travel or cross country something like that it's some crazy whatever so Imagine you're set to fight every night at 8 p.m. and all of a sudden you're walking to the octagon at six in the morning, your time. It's not a fun time. <laughs> That's a scary walk to be making. Mm-hmm. The walk to the bathroom, Dan, for me is tiring in the morning. Could you imagine? <laughs> well, after Singapore, the following week, oh, we're the, the, at 612 date. I'm going to guess that's actually Singapore 612. It's going to be 611 for us. Did I just mess that up? Yeah. No, I think be- that it's. I don't know. Well, whatever. It, it's that weekend. Um, the 18th, back in, you know, United States time, um, Julian Marquez and Wellington Terman will be the week after UFC Singapore. Cool. Um, yeah, Wellington Terman revitalized. I knew I wasn't wrong about that kid. I knew it. When he old, when he holds gold, Danny needs to chug an entire bottle of Malort on this set. <laughs> if, if, if he holds gold, I'll, I'll take, like, a ridiculous shot. <laughs> Clip that chat. Clip that chat. I'll make myself uh, in a, a malord old fashion for the episode. Oh, <laughs> and as always, this episode is brought to you by Jepson's Malord. Tim Elliott and Amir Albazi scheduled for the following week, June 25th. Dan, I am want, also want to make a petition that you reach out to Tim Elliott to get him on this show. We know you guys are longtime buddies. I want to squash the beef live and then also get his thoughts there. Yeah, I would, I, would, I would love to do that. That's a, definitely something I'm interested in. Um, July 2nd, Jessica I and Casey O'Neill scheduled for UFC 276. Evil I. <laughs> Most cringe. Here we go, evil. Oh, yeah, here you go. That's terrible. Can I petition you guys to stop doing that? Never forget. Never forget. No, you um, gotta keep you gotta keep it fresh. So people I, keep, never... I continue to bring the cringe to our show, though. <laughs> it's brutal. But yeah, I, I, I mean, mean, I noticed can't... when I was in Houston that there was no open workout and whatever. Maybe they got rid of it because 
<laughs> Jessica, I embarrass herself too bad. Honestly, though, like if you're trying to market something and someone comes out with that, like I fire on the spot. That's a tough thing. <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, though, Casey O'Neill, that is a big step up fight for her. And I think she can handle the task. I really do. Um, last fight announcement. This is another fun one, a banger. Uh, Sean Strickland and Alex Pereira. That's wow. the end of July. Banger. Guys, I'm thinking, I know Sean Strickland, again, we'll talk about it on the rookie card set, but Sean Strickland, talk about marketable. The shit that comes out of that dude's mouth is just unbelievable sometimes. I was watching a guy ask him questions about like if he's excited for that fight, and he goes, he was talking about how he just loves fighting so much. And people are like, well, do you enjoy the violence aspect of it? He's like, in direct quote. It's the only thing that gets my dick hard live at the press conference. I mean, Kobe might cut that out of a podcast. Wild. The dude's an animal. I love it. We're leaving it. Flip that chat. Uh, that's all the news and notes I have. You guys have anything to add? Um, Honestly, crazy, no. no. I'm just a happy guy. I know Marab is still radio silent, so I don't know what that's about. Marab <laughs> um, no, getting actually- more airtime on this show for not having fought in a year than anybody else in the entire world. He is just he, he gets on, a weekly mention. It, and it should be more. I don't know what's going on. The dude's in the prime of his career and he's decided to take years off. I'm just I mean, I mean, we we give him all the attention in the world and we haven't like mentioned Zabit more than 5 times. <laughs> Zabit literally, I don't think he's fought since Cater. He is not. He is not. I and I don't know if he has plans to fight either. I I don't I don't know. I, I know I've seen pictures of Zabit surface, but where's my boy Marab at? I honestly, though, and again, I love Marab dearly, but after getting dropped by Marlon and then seeing Marlon's career trajectory, maybe he's just drilling his striking up like nobody's business. I would do that if I were him. That's what I would do too. <laughs> Should we kick it to Seth Spread? I'd love nothing more. Let's get after it. So we, we missed a week just due to. Country Club, Cobe, not being prepared, and that was on me. I'll wear it. No, not all his fault. We're we're having a huge ankle pick pod reshuffle going on, all good things. And so that one had to be sacrificed, but we'll make up for it. So our most recent set the spread was for UFC London. Dan came out victorious, but Risha still got the season-long 5-4 wow. lead. Okay. Man, so, that does feel like a long time ago. Right. It's been even longer since we recorded it, really. But I gotta say, I gotta say though, set the spreads feel a lot different. It feels like a major every time Gilbert Poha burns is on the card. Yeah, I, I have a minus one ten here, Dan. Full disclosure. Maybe we gotta we gotta go to the archives <laughs> and get the record for pay per views. That's something that, <laughs> that 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 might get uh, that might be worked in the dockets. The Poha celebration at the end of these is like putting on a green jacket. It is. God, I love that guy. That hit, there's this picture that's been surfacing everywhere of his face with like the raised eyes screaming poha. Like I see it after every interview, and it's just, it is always such a joy. I love that man. So let's dig in. We've got a six. Wait, fight before we dig in, I'm tailing this on news and notes. I want to mention Gilbert Burns' recent interview was talking about how he fears no man, and that in order to be the best of the best, he needs to fight the best of the best, and his only goals in the UFC are to be champions and tough to t- fight the toughest guys and that he's ready for Kamzat. I, the guy's just an absolute gangster yet. I mean, I'm, I'm already in like a mental 
fucking tug of war for the, I mean, these are two of my favorite all time fighters. To face yeah, it I don't off. know how I, you're going to handle this. <laughs> well, you see me in one there. of those split jerseys. Oh yeah. We, dude, that might be the send. Maybe like split flags, split fighter shorts. I'm all about it. Yeah. With names on both sides. Yeah. Brazilian dick. But we're woke here. Let's get, let's get Dan that week when they were ripping the LGBTQ color, the rainbow. You'll get Rainbow Chemayev, Rainbow Burns. <laughs> All right. Now we're digging in. Okay. Set the spread. Let's get after it. Dan leading things off. Middleweight bout. First fight of six on the main card. And we mentioned it earlier. Kelvin Gastelum, Dreykus Duplessis. So, yeah. Big step up for uh, Dreykus, but not a test that I don't think that he's capable of passing. I, I think that he's going to, I think there's going to be a close to even line is what I'm saying. Kelvin is on a bit of a downward skid, although it is, as we said, against complete killers, absolute units. Um, Drikas has the potential to maybe add himself to a pretty elite list here though. Um, and he's looked absolutely awesome against what Trevin Giles and Marcus Perez with two big finishes He's still going to be a dog, though, as I said, and as we said, as we keep saying, um, big step up. I've got Kelvin Gastelum, though, as a minus 170 favorite. Mm, it's a pretty good line. I'm going to go lower than you, and my instant instinct, especially in the competitive nature that is set the spread, I want to go 169. I'm not. I'm going to come in with my opening line. I got Gastelum at minus 130 here. Duplessis at minus 110 and the real reason or not or plus 110 and the real reason being that I think obviously that this is going to be a challenge for Duplessis huge step up in competition huge step up in experience this is also borderline a must win fight for Gastelum because he's one in five in his last six he really if he doesn't get this one you're looking at that gatekeeper status at best um, Dane has been not afraid to cut a lot of people. So I, I take the storyline kind of where I think both these guys want the win. I think Kelvin Gaslam needs it a little more. He's also more, more notable, but I think that being one in five in your last six, regardless of your competition makes it hard to have you as a minus 170, minus 180, minus 190, even if that's something that maybe on the paper, it should be. So I, I want to go lower in that aspect. I think that at plus 150 or 140 or 160 or whatever, Duplessis would be slammed down. So even if the opening line is 180, I would be shocked if it's still there. So 130 for get Kelvin, plus 110 for Duplessis. This one just opened yesterday because of the rescheduled fight. Oh, duh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, minus 110 both ways where it opened. Already some steam, though. Minus 150 Gastelum. It's going to be a push. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> good push. Of course it is. Is, there, is this a six-fight main card? Please yep. tell me. It is. Good, good, oh, good. sweet. So that good was a push. That was a strategic push. Hand, Mr. Pulfer. That was a, a I do what I great can. way to kick off a six-fight set the spread. Yeah, it is. We're all over it. And, yeah, the, I, the line movement, though, I was off. All right. The next fight on the main card we talked through last week because it got rescheduled. That's Alir Latifi and Alexi Olenek. Not going to have a set the spread for that one. Instead, I'm going to replace it with another heavyweight bout. Biggie Boy, Jarzina Rosenstrike, and Marcin Tybura. 
So Reese, go for it. Dan, I have a weird feeling we're going to be on opposite sides here. And one of the big reasons why I feel like we're going to be on opposite sides is because you love you, you're a biggie boy. And for some reason, I love me my Marcin Tybura. I mean, not for some reason. He's kind of a gangster. But look, biggie boy is a guy who brings freakish power to the table, obviously. Um, and he's faced the upper echelon of the division. However, he has fallen short to the upper echelon of the division. Francis Ngannou, Cyril Gan, Curtis Blades. And although he landed and busted o- o- over him's face open, he lost every second of that fight until that punch. So we know that when the upper echelon of that division gets in there is where he starts to kind of reach that top topping out point. On the flip side, you got a guy like Marcin Tibera who has also faced a lot of the top guys and has dropped some troubling ones, have won some big ones. I think Biggie Boy is going to be a favorite. I just think it's going to be slight, and I think you're going to be way over me. I got Biggie Boy minus 130, Tibera plus 110. I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I mean, you did a great job of breaking it down. Um, I do tend to think that the skills that Biggie Boy has are just a little bit more um, chiseled, a little bit more refined than what well, Marcin's well, working with. Well, what skills? Just striking or all of it? I guess I guess you, you caught me there. Uh, it's striking is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, I think that if Marcin is going to have success grappling, this could be a different fight than I expect. But I, I just I think that Biggie Boy is going to be able to tag him and, and be able to be the aggressor. Uh, I'm not going too much bigger than you. I've got it at, at just minus 160. But um, I agree that Biggie Boy, I think, is going to be the favorite. And uh, the public, I think, is going to be on Biggie Boy, too. Y'all are pretty much all over it. It opened in early March. Biggie boy minus 130. It's come up to minus 150, though. So it's gonna be poha, poha. That's some trash. The public is wrong, sir. Or sharps, I guess. I guess you don't know. Next fight. Power and Marcin Tibura. Maybe he's gonna make everyone eat their money. (laughs) Next fight, women's straw weight, Mackenzie Dern and Tasha Torres. Dan, your turn. Mackenzie Dern, my chick. Seems she's been in just tough fight after tough fight um what she just lost to marina rodriguez in, in a fight where she was a pretty decent favorite um and just wasn't able to get her grappling off tisha is more well-rounded than than marina rodriguez is and and although she has a loss to marina i think that this is an even tougher matchup for mckenzie i think this is going to be a closer to even line than the minus 190 mckenzie saw against marina um Tisha is one of those girls that we talk about all the time that we just talked about with Biggie Boy, that the second she faces elite-level competition, uh, she tends to falter. I mean, Marina, Weili, Joanna, Andrade are her four losses, um, and there's no real – and Rose, sorry, just absolutely killers, top of the top division. Um, people know how I think about Marina Rodriguez. The thing is, I think Mackenzie Dern – is in the same conversation as those women. Um, I think Mackenzie Dern learned a lot from fighting Marina, and I think that she's going to be a slight, slight favorite here against Tisha. I'm going to go with 
My girl, Mackenzie Dern, minus 125. Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit more than slight. Partially just because I'm so familiar with Tisha Torres from the Ultimate Fighter and then watching her entire UFC career unfold before our eyes. You know, even the losing streak against that upper echelon of competition and then kind of finding her footing again recently, but against people that are, are not in the class of Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie Dern also gets public attention a lot, um, not only for her grappling prowess, but just seemingly is a fan favorite. She's bigger than Tisha Torres. She's strong. Eh, stronger's tough. Tisha Torres is a little muscle hamster, but I don't know. I think if this hits the mat, Mackenzie Dern's too dangerous there. I think... Tisha Torres is going to have a tough time closing the distance. And then on top of all that, I think the public money is going to be on Dern. I'm going to go Dern minus 160. Tisha minus or plus 140. And it might be a little steep, but it'll get there. I, I think hopefully it's it's been steamed there already. There's been steam, but not that much. It, it started mid-March, minus 110 both ways again. Uh, and Dern is sitting just barely above that minus 120. Wow. I'm on one right now. That, that, that's a bad line in my opinion. I think I like Tisha Torres a lot too. It's just, if you look, analyze it other than a pressure pace that Tisha sets on, it's like Dern's kind of better everywhere and more physically dom. I hope to God that goes back to 110 so I can, uh, so I'm allowed to take it. Oh yeah, based on science. <laughs> yeah, I got. I, I can't. I can't be caught dead with a minus one twenty in front of my bet. But minus one ten, that's at school. Yeah, that would not age well. You'd be in some heat if that happened. The next three are why we're showing up. We've got a welterweight bout first. Gilbert Burns and Hamzat Shemaev. Reese, kick things off for us here. Man, is this so, gonna be so much fun or what? So Dan, are you up to nothing right now? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, because this is one of those lines that, which is unjustifiable in my opinion, but it's going to be a how high type thing, you know, where I say 400, Danny says 450, and it's 700. So I got to be finicky here in deciding how high to go because Danny can play the over game or the under game with pretty wide margin. Um. Look, I, I think Gilbert Burns has a shot in this, to be completely honest. I mean, shot. I was telling Kobe, I don't I don't mean to change no, your mind, but I was telling Kobe before the show started that Gilbert's going to win this fight. I mean, it's possible. I think that I've been asked a lot about this because just like you, Dan, I'm a huge fan of both these fighters. And a lot of people ask me what my take is and where my heart's at on this one. And, and here's here's where it's at without getting too far down the line and still setting the spread. I think Burns is more talented in most, if not all departments. Where he loses me is the size. And I think that come fight night, and when you look on the scale, you're going to see a guy in Chemaev who could fight at 205 comfortably. And you're going to see a guy in Burns who can slash has fought at 55. And I think the notable size difference is going to be very apparent. And I think that that might be the downfall to Burns, which sucks. But 
to ignore his threats, especially in the grappling department, would be foolish. And for that reason, it's like hard for me to set it where I feel like and think it is. So I'm going to do a little, I'm going to do a set the spread first here. I'm going to predict the open and then my guess. I think it opened at Chemayev minus 250. Burns plus 180. I think that's a fair open. And I think that everyone in this panel is probably just like, wow, that's low. If that was there right now, probably would try to capitalize on some closing line value. Well, the closing line value is going to be, I don't even know what. I mean, everyone and their mother talks about Chemayev and loves him. There's a size. There's a uh, the record of being hit twice in all of his UFC fights, this, that, and the other. I'm honestly going to go 550. Dan, if you want to go over me, be my guest. If you want to go under me, I will take all that upside to the top. I'm going 550. I had it. I mean, it's hard to say significantly, but I had it under you and not so close. Um, I'm going to stick with my exact number, not playing any games here. But, I mean, I, I think you're right. It's the, all the hype's on Hamzat. All the money's on Hamzat. It's going to be a huge Hamzat line. We'll break down why I love Gilbert in this spot um when we actually break down the fight but for the sake of set the spread i'm going 450 uh ding 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 550 let's go wow give me two ding dings what was open <laughs> you got i told you guys both separately before the show you guys are gonna hate where this opened minus 110 both ways Oh my God. No, I love it. Give me, give me four or five X my money. And when Gilbert Burns taps him out or knocks him out, I, I love this Gilbert Burns spot. The more I think about it, get yo, scoop them Gilbert Burns cards up. Cause if he truly beats Tom's out, they will 10 X overnight. Poha Burns is getting it done. You <laughs> might have to sell your one of one. I know I might, which would suck because that's an ankle pick staple. We've got, an, we are, I'm sorry, not another title fight yet, but the first of two title fights, bantamweight. Poha Burns, sorry, little, <laughs> let's go. I'm just amped about it. Okay, proceed. Bantamweight proceed. title fight, Piotr Jan, Aljamain Sterling, two. Dan's kicking this one off. For all the reasons that, that Reese said about the Hamzat fight, this is a similar, a similar spot, just with the lines going to be huge because of, it's a rematch and, and there's a lot of hype on Piotr. I mean, I guess it's not for all the same reasons, but there's going to be an e equally big line here because to me and to a lot of people that pay really close attention to this sport, Piotr Jan is the best fighter talent wise that we have ever seen. Um, Ooh, I, I, I truly think so. He's got ever? absolutely everything all around best ever talent. He's, he's got the boxing, the, the timing, the footwork, the grappling, wow. the cardio, the See, feints. Country Club. Uh, these are the sound bites that blow us up. These are the sound bites, and then Danny defends this take. These are the sound bites that make Ankle Pick Pot a local name. I, I think it's true. I, I'm I'm willing to stand by it. Um, and we saw how that first fight went. What a gift of a line this was! Like minus one fifteen, minus twenty on Piotr Jan. Um, Aljo had no threat for him. No. The, the real question is how high this one goes. Um, I think it's going to be pretty similar to that Hamzat line. I, I, I truly think that Gilbert is, I mean, I, we can, we can break it down, whatever, when we actually get to it, but 
I think that Gilbert has a much higher percentage chance of winning than I think Aljo does. Um, but they're not, it's not going to be that way in the lines, but it's going to be similar. I'm going Piotr Jan minus 430. Damn. And I'll bet it open like around like 290, 300. Yeah. But it's Damn, come up. It's, it's, I'm, I'm feeling a little weird. 425. No, I mean, you you literally have it down to a T. I mean, that's exactly how I think. I think it opened up at 250 to, to maybe 300. And everyone knows what happened that night. Everyone knows who was in the lead. Everyone knows all of those things. Um, I, I don't think Aljo has anything for him. I think that Piotr Jan would rather die in there than let Aljo win. I think Piotr Jan feels like he's the long deserving guy to be the title holder. I think everyone agrees. Um, I think that my line coming in was truly 430. Um, I would be hesitant to go over. So I'm going to have to go under. Real quick, Danny went to 425, right? Yeah. Would it be Price's writing to steal his 430? Is that legal? I mean, it's certainly legal. I just moved. He doesn't reserve any number other than the one if that you, he's if on. You ding, ding, 430. I'm actually going to be pissed. I'm going to take 430. <laughs> <laughs> That's seriously what I came in with on my notes was Piotr Jan minus 430. Uh, you guys are all over this one. Opened minus 310. That was back yeah. in January. We, we, Dan had, yeah, we knew that. Somewhere between 290 and 300. Reese said 250 or 300. Now at 460. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Tie that shit up. Thank you, Dan. If you went 430, I was going to go 425 or 420. Thank you, Dan. Wow. That's what made me and, move. And, I don't know. And the worst part, the worst part here is you can't bet Piotr Jan at 460. That's impossible. Maybe a parlay ad. But you can't bet Aljo either because he's not winning. So I don't know. That's a wild Aljo, line. Look at the Aljo by some Poha. Poha. Come on. All right. Another title fight. Featherweight bout. Volkanovski and TKZ, Chansung Jung. Reese lead things off. Reese leads things off. Two two, coming I mean, down this, to this title fight. And and this is going to take the same approach as this entire card has taken, and that is how high. Look, we're talking about and Dan. This is another clip. We're we're full of hot takes today. We're talking about, in my opinion, I think probably the best featherweight to to live. And I know there's a lot more for him to prove and show but going five or ten hard rounds with holloway coming out the victor in both turning around and dominating brian ortega outside one submission attempt being undefeated in the ufc untroubled since your debut in 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 not not ufc debut i'm talking about your martial arts debut you were zero and one and then you haven't slowed down since you are technically as sound as can be you are a ridiculously freak athlete and in strength and and wingspan and cardio size and cardio and top it's the dude's just truly ridiculous with that being said 
Korean Zombie is talented. It's not fair to say he's not. It's not fair to say that he has no shot. But I'm inclined to say that out of these three fights we just named, I think Burns has the best shot. And I think Aljo might have the second best shot. Um, But as we know, lines don't always dictate that. I'm going to go minus 400 flat, Dan, for Volkanovsky. I'm going to let you play the game of three or four in front of it because it could go either way. It really could. Um, And it might even be 400. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a ding-ding out of country club, but it's not going to be – there's not going to be a two in front of it, and there's not going to be a low three. Volkanovsky's too damn good. The question is, does it get up to the fives? Does it get up to that Chimaev six? I doubt it personally so i'm just gonna go 400 i'm gonna let dan try to get get closer it's the only way i can play this one so best of luck dan hmm i i don't know i tend to agree with you in that uh volkanovsky is the best 145 we've ever seen um holloway had two chances to prove that he's on the same level and, and had a lead in the second one too and just, man, Volk keeps coming. Um, what I'm really interested in this fight before I get into my line is, will this confirm the um, mystique around fight-ready MMA? Uh, I know that TKZ moved out there. Um, John Jones, Cejudo, um, Figgy. It seems like everyone everyone's moving their camp down to to fight ready and i think that if tkz looks good a lot of it to do is to do with with suhudo and his game plan and and what's going down down there um but as reset i'm inclined not to think he's going to be able to keep up with alex volkanovsky and definitely not for 25 minutes i'm going over you reese i'm not i'm not going all the way up to five but I won't be surprised if it gets there. Uh, people are coming around on Volk. There was a lot, a lot, a lot of, before the Ortega fight, there was a lot of people saying that he had lost both the Holloway ones and that there's people weren't getting on the bandwagon. I think people have fully arrived on the bandwagon. I'm going 480. Whoa, that gives me yeah. some room. Big number. You, Dan, I was freaking out. All I could think about is, man, I should have gone 450. I should have gone 450, but I'll thanks for the room. Come on. There's not a four in front of it. What? Oh, fuck. There's not a three in front of it. Poha! Come on. There's not Come a on. five in front of it. Liar. Liar. There's not a two in front of it. Liar. What is going There's on? There's not a six in front of it. Liar. Minus 700. Liar. What? Alexander Volkanovsky. Liar. Who the fuck is betting on Volk minus 700? I love the Liar. guy. We just sucked his dick for five minutes. Liar. What? There's no way it's at 700. Where did it open? Five dimes. No, where did it open? Like, what was the line open? Minus at? 330. That was in January. Oh, my gosh. I'm not even going to pretend like I was close. What the fuck? When that you said there's out of four, Danny and I both go, oh, Reese just got that point. Then when you said there's no three, it's like, fuck, Danny got that point. And he did, but holy shit. Dude, TKZ by sub is going to be the most valuable 
line of all time. I mean, we saw Volk get caught, and obviously, it. like, he used his his will and his just – I don't even know what he used because it wasn't jujitsu. He was just like, this choke is not going to work, and, and Ortega's arms went out. But we see <laughs> Volk get caught is, like, the only possible way that he's going to lose. And TKZ can, can throw up a submission for sure. His choke is not going to This guy's work. got a twister to his name. His choke is not going to work, and he just muscles his head out. Wow. TKZ by sub is plus 1,800 right now. At least at least the lines reflect what I said. I said that out of the chances, this is the toughest upset. Is right. You kind of got to listen to yourself. You got to talk yeah. it through. I mean, I could never go that high. That's crazy. I honestly – Never, I do not think Volkanovski is going to lose this fight. I don't think he's going to come close to losing this fight. And I am tempted to take TKZ at plus six hundred or whatever the. Yeah, fight. you you can't even like talk me into putting Volk in a parlay at this point. I'm a no. huge Volk fan. No, that's crazy. Um, what would the line be? Maybe there's some math behind this that I got to do. But what's the line that one of those dogs, those three dogs, wins? Whether it be Gilbert, Aljo, or TKZ. Oh, like you're saying, like you place each one straight. Are you saying? I'm saying, what are the chances that one of them wins, and what like if you like place does it pay minus? Like, does it pay minus one ten? No, it's got to be better than that. It's got to be. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, if you parlay all three favorites, what does it pay? Let's see, Get some because quick. if that's if that's not a minus, that means Vegas is telling you odds are one of the dogs hit. And I think both Danny and I are saying that dog's Poha Burns. Dog is Poha Burns. A TKZ sub is, is something that I really think is, is incredibly possible. It's just like he's got all the jutsu and we've seen Volk get caught. Right. All right. Volk, Jan, Hamzat, all big favorites. By the way, Hamzat's line has already moved again. <laughs> minus 570 now um, wait is that over under where we had it it's slightly higher you had a ding ding, ding 550. 550. yeah we won't take that away from you that's a minus 157 parlay payout so what's so, that yeah plus 140 the other way give or take but still i mean plus 130 for a plus 400 to cash like look like let's just say I mean, some some magic's gonna happen that night. I don't Let's know just what. Say that Alga's not gonna do it, and we take TKZ by sub at plus eighteen hundred, and Poha Burns by sub, <laughs> and, and Poha we Burns also by sub, and parlay him for a dollar. <laughs> and then we build a studio. Yes, sir. That's how it happens. That's how it happens. All right. So Danny gets the Poha on Burns Gilbert by Burns sub family. is. Uh, I'll see it now. Plus sixteen hundred. Ridiculous. So Danny gets the the poha on Gilbert. Five, five on the year. What? Five five. Five five, five in twenty twenty two. Tragic. Dan closes up. This one, I mean. I was talking about it pre-show. It's an extra special one just because of who's on the card. And it's sad because he's fighting my other boy, Boars. But, man, I mean, the, the hype train's got to end. Make sure you get off the tracks. Boah! 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.